Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Hey guys, this is Liz Candace. This is Nikki Collins. What up guys, this is Ethan Carson. Hey, this is Imani Lee Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. WNBA Nation, we have a champion. Welcome back to the show, everyone. My name's Kyle Haywood. I'm joined tonight by the one and only Jason Snow. Jason, how's it going, my man? I am doing so good. That final series was so much fun. Uh, I'm glad it came <laughs> down to a tight game after game three. Um, it would have just been sad to end on that type of a note. I loved the competitiveness. I'm ready to talk about it. It was so much fun. Um, how are you doing, Kyle? I'm great, man. I, uh, I was super sad. I actually, I, I had the worst planning of my life. Um, I actually, uh, I surprised my wife with a trip for our fall break. Um, her 30th birthday, um, is the 19th. So I figured, hey, we got fall break. I was going to surprise her with this little trip and, uh, not thinking. I was like, oh, like, oh, we'll be gone for just a couple days. Like, didn't realize that in the, I like in the moment that not only did I schedule this right over the finals, but literally our plane was taking off at the beginning of the fourth quarter of game four with Chicago up two to one in the series and Chicago making a comeback and our plane takes off. And I was so frustrated. I had to turn off my phone <laughs> and I'm looking around and the TV little monitor that was on the chair back in front of me wasn't working. So I leaned over and tried my wives and luckily hers was working and I could actually pull up ESPN and watch the game. So while we were sitting on the runway and literally as the plane was like taking off, like going up into the air, like coming off the runway was the moment when <laughs> like Chicago like sealed the deal and was celebrating. So that I was, I was like, you know, you've got, you kind of like lean back with the G force on you a little bit as you're climbing up into the sky. That was happening to me as the Chicago sky were sealing the victory. So it was literally the worst timing. Cause if that wasn't, Hap- like if I wasn't able to get it on that screen, I would have had to make the entire two hour flight not having any idea who won the WMA finals. It was the worst <laughs> planning ever on my part. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited that we get to talk about it. Um, but 
Jason, we can officially congratulate the Chicago Sky 2021 WNBA champions. Clap it up all day long. Um, so excited, really completing one of the more, um, interesting storylines to a championship that we've seen in a while. Um, you know, I think that obviously the big storyline is Candace Parker returning to a, a kind of her hometown team, you could say, going back to Chicago and bringing them their first championship. Um, and then also, you know, you've got Allie Quigley being uh, a Chicago, uh, Illinois native uh, as well. Uh, Copper coming from literally two seasons ago being pretty much unknown to finals MVP. Like what an absolute run that was just an absolute ride of storylines. Jason, I'm just curious for you, what stands out the most in your mind when you're going to look back and reflect on this Chicago sky championship run? I'll I'll give you two and, and for different reasons. The one that I think is going to is perhaps the most significant and could change um, what we think about going forward into the future is the Chicago Sky were a number six seed. They had a fairly underwhelming regular season compared to expectations for them. What we saw in the playoffs was the Chicago that we all expected when I picked them to win. I know at least one of our other hosts picked them to win. I think all of us had them in the top three or four. We saw Chicago, but they they had an underwhelming season. And to me, hopefully this triggers a a look from the league into the playoff structure because i think there's two big things number one is it's so surprising because of how stacked the the playoffs are against lower seeds which i I think we need to look at that but also the fact that two-thirds of teams make it into the playoffs and obviously chicago ended up winning it but they were in the bottom half um of the 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 bracket coming into it and so reevaluating the way we do playoffs and how many teams make it and the way that we determine what teams make it um, I think might be an important thing coming out of this because um, it, it was a shocking approach. So that's one thing. Now, the storyline that's going to last that people are going to remember forever is Candace Parker calling her shot. She's going to go home and get Chicago a title. What does she do? She goes home and gets Chicago a title. Uh, you know, the Babe Ruth pointing to, to, to the fence line. You call your shot. That goes down as legend. And I, I think that this will that is what this finals is going to be remembered by. 10, 15, 20 years from now when we're still running the show. That's what we're going to be talking about with the 2021 finals. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's kind of the bigger, the big storyline. I do think that copper winning MVP uh, of the finals is, is massive because prior to 2020, nobody was talking about her. She had a kind of a breakout season in 2020 really came on strong. Um, But even then wasn't getting a ton of, you know, publicity and still like, crazy like like all the cameras were on candace and i get it because she's the name she's the legend mm-hmm. if you you could even hear us a couple episodes ago say this is not candace's team this is copper's team you know like it's it's kind of tough to <laughs> to to say but she truly is if that would have gone to anybody but her i would have had yeah. a pretty hard time accepting that nba uh, or w, uh, WNBA MVP, uh, finals MVP. God, I can't talk. <laughs> finals MVP trophy. Um, so that's, that, that's kind of how I yeah. look at it. Um, I, you uh, know, uh, I, I think that there's a lot that you could say as far as 
you know, low seed making its is that that's a great question, Jason. You kind of brought this up. Is this the most impressive championship run because it came from such a low seed from not just a first round, you know, uh, elimination like challenge type team that that ran the gambit and had to play against the number three seed and then the number one seed and then like, you know, had to go all the way and then eventually caught up with a red hot Phoenix team who was also trying to make that same storyline. Is this the most impressive run? I would have to say yes. And you, you touched on it there. The way that the WNBA playoff is structured means that when you're the lowest ranked seed coming out of the first round, which Chicago was, they were the lowest ranked team coming out of the first round, uh, five and six, one, five was Phoenix. They had to play the best team of each round by it automatically cues them up to face the hardest team. Just, I mean, the way it's structured is meant to give the best team the easiest opponent or the lowest ranked opponent. I won't say easiest because obviously this year that was lopsided, but it's meant to give them the lowest ranked, but that means lowest ranked is automatically getting highest ranked. And so, uh, for that reason, it's impressive because generally speaking, like if you go to a March Madness bracket, if you're the, if you're the number 15 and you knock off the number two, you now get their easy ride. You jump into their seat and you're playing, you know, the lower ranked teams, um, or lower rated teams, at least based off of where that positioning is. And so the, stru- the structure of this makes it impressive. Um, and then the, just the, the play makes it impressive. One of the things I, I brought up, I think it was in the preview to the, the final series. So before we'd actually seen any games, the reason I predicted Chicago to win it in four, which I'm very proud of. The reason I predicted that was because Chicago showed up every night. And you saw that Chicago played four games. Phoenix played three, mm. arguably two. And that being the case, Chicago showed up and played the entire time. They looked impressive the whole way through. So not only do they have the most difficult path to a championship, they also looked the best doing it. They, they looked so good. So I was very impressed with Chicago in this, this finals. I know I'm gushing, but they just won a championship. I'm allowed to gush. Yeah, we should. We should be. <laughs> No, I, I, I feel you there, and I, I completely agree. Um, Jason, let's talk about the actual game itself and as it as it uh, went down. But before we hit that, there's a couple of uh, questions that have come through in our Twitch chat. If you haven't joined us over here on Twitch, you are 1,000% missing out. It's where the party um, is, absolutely. It's so much fun. We've got so much... Uh, we've got so many people chiming in with their takes um, and... and questions and things coming through. We have one from our very own Steve Schwartzman. One of our, our fellow hosts here uh, has a quick question. He says, if you get to go back and watch just one Chicago legend play in high school, are you picking Candace or Quigley? And that's a phenomenal question. <laughs> um, I'll answer by saying that I watched a little bit of Candace Parker in high school and so I did get at least an idea of who she was. Um, I, I remember seeing her play a little bit in high school. She was that good that like there was clips on like ESPN and, and whatnot of her. I didn't see any of Allie Quigley going back. And so if I could go back, I would love to see what Allie Quigley had to do. Um, just simply because I saw a little bit of Candace, uh, you know, early on like that. So that's how I'll answer that. Jason, what's your answer for that one? 
I, I'm going to answer this one on a personal note. Um, I haven't looked into their high school careers to know, you know, what accolades each of them got. I'm sure they were both phenomenal. Obviously, they they rose to the ranks and and are now uh, champions with the Chicago Sky. But I have for a much longer time been a fan of Candace Parker. I remember her playing in college. I, I don't think I was she was on my radar quite as early as she was for you, Kyle. Um, but I remember that. She played for the Sparks for many years. I'm a Los Angeles native. That that gave me an immediate affinity. I remember the headlines back at the time with with her rookie season and um, all that was was so groundbreaking with that. And so for me, just because I I have that personal fandom of Candace, maybe a little bit more. Not that I have anything. It's Quigg's amazing. Like I a full fan of of her as well. But um, I think I just feel a little bit more of a personal connection with Candace Parker. So I'd probably choose her for that reason. Um, that being said, I, I don't know their, their high school accolades and, and Quiggs may have been j- just as fun, if not more fun to watch. So one other question that we've got here is, hang on, I just had it. Let me find it really quick. Uh, did Logan pick the sky or was he trying to avoid the jinx? <laughs> I, Logan I would have finally to go back learned. and check, but he's pretty <laughs> consistent at never picking the sky as of about a year and a half ago. I, th- I don't think I've heard him pick them yep. to win anything. For the last this, pro- I think two years, yeah. Officially, he did the reverse jinx this year. He picked this guy's opponent every uh, time, which honestly, city of Chicago, you should be thanking our boy Logan Jones. Absolutely. Because right? <laughs> he just won you the championship by not picking your team. <laughs> it, it's a gift. He It's a gift and a curse. He he's He's got it, though. His... Now we all jinx teams, like, and I, I think we've all expressed that sentiment before. But his jinx of Chicago is so on—it's so good. <laughs> it's 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 so good because it's always there. Every time he picked them to do something, they would immediately drop the ball and and not do whatever the thing is. And so it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, I did this one time, and that like he's got a record of like fifteen to twenty picks that all went the wrong way. Uh so. He's he's got it. He's got the jinx, and uh, and clearly he used it to his advantage this year, or to Chicago's advantage this year. <laughs> um, there's a couple of the good questions uh, coming through on the Twitch chat. Um, if you haven't joined us there, you can find us twitch.tv slash WMDA Nation. Give us a follow on there. It'll notify you when we go live. And uh, you can you can pop on and hang out with us live while we while we record this. We usually hang out a little beforehand and a little afterward, um, discussing everything that we'll be talking about that episode. We take live questions like this, and they make uh, they make the show. Um, so uh, yeah, Cheese God forty two is the one who asked about the Logan jinxing. I, I didn't give him credit. I gotta give I gotta get, gotta give Cheese God cred. So. Um, and uh, if you're listening to us uh, on Apple Podcasts, if you can take literally two seconds, scroll down and click the five-star review, you can do it right now while you're listening. Just take two seconds and scroll down, click five stars. That You, you don't realize, but that actually has boosted us all the way up. We're in the top 100 basketball podcasts on Apple Podcasts right now. Thank you. Um, that's and so cool. uh, and that's huge. Uh, we are the only WNBA podcast to make it to the top uh, 100 basketball podcast right now. Um, we're the number one overall WNBA podcast um, on Apple uh, Podcasts. If you search WNBA, our, our show comes up first 90% of the time. There's every once in a while we'll see uh, around the rim 
pops into that number one spot and they're well deserving. Uh, nothing but love for, uh, uh, Tarika and LaChina, they're both fantastic and, and they do a great job there. So if you're not listening to their show, go check out Around the Rim, uh, phenomenal work that they do over there. Um, but yeah, go ahead and click a five star review. I've actually got a five star review to read. Woo. Jason, cue the sounder. Five star reviews. So here is the five star review that we just received on Friday. Title of the review is Elite WNBA Pod by Zach is the Goat. There you go. Uh, they say this is a must listen for WNBA fans from their WNBA history episodes. Check out the comment series to their current coverage. This is a great way to become a more engaged and knowledgeable WNBA fan. Thank you so much. Zach is the Goat uh, or Mike at Mike Hoop Social uh, on Twitter. I'm assuming so. Thank you so much for, for the shout out. We appreciate that. Anytime that we find a five star review, uh, that's written out like that, we'll read it live on mic, uh, for y'all to enjoy. Um, you can check us out on Twitter at WMA Nation Pod. Jason, let's hop into actual breaking down this championship game that we witnessed on Sunday. Let's do it. The beginning of this game, uh, started out, you know, kind of similar to, to what we were seeing. Uh, both teams kind of going, uh, blow for blow here, but eventually we saw Phoenix starting to pull away in large part when Diana Taurasi came off the floor and we saw, uh, more minutes out of players like, uh, Sophie Cunningham and Bria Hartley, um, Kia Vaughn that were coming onto the court and spelling some of these other starters. When Tarasi popped off the floor at, at spells, it seemed like Phoenix seemed to do a lot better. Now, this is not a, a dig on Tarasi. She just won the, the GOAT award. And, uh, you know, we aren't, don't have too many arguments there. She was in our top two, I think, uh, when we did that. Um, but Jason, why, like, like that was just an interesting element of the game that it seemed like Phoenix really started to pull away and Chicago wasn't sure what to do once DT was off the floor. Why do you think that Chicago was having those struggles when, you know, the supposed greatest player of all time, the officially awarded to player greatest player of all time steps off the, off the court? What do you think, uh, happened there? Uh, there can be a ton of, a ton of reasons as to why a team changes or underperforms against kind of the, the bench as, as you're subbing out some of those top players. Sometimes it's game planning. Sometimes you've got a really good game plan for the top players. Sometimes, you know, and then you, you, they bring in the subs and it throws that off, throws off your, your plan. Uh, but in all honesty, and like I, you know, we're big fans of Diana Taurasi. We don't mean this as any slight. She did not have a great finals presence like her her entire finals was not um at the par that we're used to seeing her play at and with that being the case i just genuinely think sophie was in a better headspace than dt and i i feel like dt wasn't their best lineup for that night or the night before and or uh, two nights before but you know what i mean mm-hmm, i right. i just i i think it had more to do with the fact that that phoenix played better with diana Tarasi off and there's a lot of reasons for that. She was playing injured. She, she, they just endured like a grueling five game series against Las Vegas. Like it was a long playoffs. And I, I think that she just kind of ran out of steam there at the end. But um, that was my read on it. But like I said, it, it can be a lot of things. It can be game planning. It can be um, just 
the momentum, the the feeling in the crowd, the sometimes you let your guard down when when the goat steps off the court, you feel like you can breathe for a second and and you know, Phoenix can take advantage of that. So there's a lot of reasons, but for me, I think it was just genuinely Diana Taurasi was not playing her best and so putting in the subs kind of freshened them up and and let them play a little bit better. Yeah, I think that the uh... I think game planning is really big. When you're planning around a player like Dana Tarasi, there's certain defensive looks, there's certain situations that you plan for. And when that gets changed and you have a player like, say, Sophie Cunningham comes out and is playing more minutes, um, Sophie Cunningham's game's different from DT's. You know, yeah. Kiavon and Bria Hartley, like, they're all different players from Tarasi. And so when they're out there running around versus DT and Shea Petty, yeah, it's, it's a different look and, and maybe Chicago wasn't quite ready for that, but I do think that there was, there was, there was something there and Phoenix really got on a roll early until the fourth quarter. Yeah. When the wheels fell off and Chicago made an absolute tear. In fact, I was, I was watching, you know, in the airport on my phone. <laughs> And I was watching this going, hey, it's game five. At least I'll get to be home from this, you know, this trip. And, uh, and I was, I was kind of uh, excited that there was going to be a game five that I could cover live and maybe do a watch along here at home. Um, but, uh, alas, that was not the case because yeah. Chicago went on an absolute tear, making a huge, uh, run, uh, back into the game. And I'm not going to lie. There was, some phenomenal plays towards the end that really ended up sealing this for Chicago. Jason, I know that you and I discussed a couple of them off mic. What's, what's one that stood out in your mind as maybe the, the one that like was, was the true tide turner that it was like, all right, this is Chicago's game to lose rather than Phoenix's game to lose. The one that sticks out in your mind, and I feel like this is 80% due to the fact that uh, ESPN just played it on repeat uh, after it happened, <laughs> is the Candace Parker three. Obviously, tying it up after yeah. being down by so many points, uh, that's a big moment. And for it to be from Candace Parker, who uh, in, in a lot of ways called her shot and and fulfilled her mission of coming to Chicago and bringing a championship to the sky, that is a big moment. And, and I do feel like that was a tide turner. The the point where I felt like it was it was over or it was out of reach and I felt like not that the the tide had shifted but that the officially the other team was in control was the back to back layups by uh, Big Mama Steph Dolson and the reason I say that is because Phoenix would try to make something happen it wouldn't and then Steph would get a you know a, a relatively you know simple put it in. And then they would try something that didn't work, and it just it it showed that everything Chicago wanted to do was you know they were doing, and everything Phoenix wanted to do they couldn't. And so I felt like after those two back to back layups, it just felt over at that point. It felt like it was it was in hand, and everything else was just counting down the seconds. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that uh, you know players like you know. Uh, Candace Parker played really well. Allie Quigley obviously shot well throughout the game. She was about the only player who was shooting well, um, especially from deep. Um, you know, ended up with 26 points and really pacing the team. But you mentioned it. Steph Dolson had that bucket and it wasn't pretty. It was kind of clanked off the back of the rim and, yeah. and then bounced up high and went around. That shot to me was like, Oh, like 
Chicago's got this. Chicago's yeah. definitely going to win. Um, that Steph Dolson shot. And can we just, we, I got to give a shout out to Steph Dolson. We have, um, we've had her on the show. She gave a fantastic interview. There's been times when we've been very pro Steph, Steph Dolson times when we've called her out when we felt like it was, you know, when we felt like she wasn't fulfilling the need that she was supposed to. Um, she came back from winning a gold medal in three X three basketball came into a Chicago sky roster where her minutes were severely, uh, taken down. Uh, she was taken out of the starting lineup and was coming off the bench and providing more reserve type minutes and then performs down the stretch. Like she did. I think that you have to give a lot of love to our good friend, big mama, Steph, just that was a huge shot in a big moment um, the Candace Parker three was, was massive, obviously, but really that Steph Dolson bucket, uh, mm-hmm. kind of that little like eight foot, 10 foot jumper that she, that yeah. she had was just, that's when, okay. When, when Chicago's getting bounces like that on their shots and Phoenix is missing pretty much wide open layups, yeah. you know, a couple contested, but, but several layups in a row, I think they missed like three or four in a row. Yeah. I swear when they could have really extended out this lead. And they, they were missing layups and Dolson's getting bounces like that on shots. That was a big moment for Mm me. Um, and so I was, I was pretty happy to, happy to see that. Jason, we've got, uh, Quigley paced the team with 26 points. Candace Parker with 13 boards. Vandersloot with 15 assists. She was one rebound shy of a triple double in yeah. the clinching game of the WNBA finals. Um, oh, by the way, Vandersloot also had two blocked shots. Yeah. So <laughs> she also led the team in blocks, which is saying something for a point guard. Um, overall, what a run from this Chicago Sky team, locking things down and doing it in a manner in the last game where they came from behind in front of a home crowd uh, that was pretty well taken out of the game early on in the fourth quarter until this late run. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, I, I think it was, it was just very poetic. Yeah. Um, Jason, did you have much chance to watch post game as far as like the awards and, and, you know, the team on the, on the court after the, after we went to zero? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I stuck around all the way through, you know, the finals MVP and basically until ESPN cut off the feed. I, yeah, I was there the whole time. Beautiful. What's something that stood out to you just because the game itself's one thing. I really love this, the reaction of the yeah. players oh, yeah. as. They've realized what they've done, you know, and you could even see with just a few seconds left when they're up four and they pretty much got it locked in. There was a shot of Candace getting really emotional, you know, Mm -hmm. getting getting teary eyed on the court while the game's still going on, which he realizes this is it. Like, like we're going to win this thing. And I've just got a championship back in Chicago. Um, What's a a scene from the postgame that really caught your eye or, or caught your attention? Uh, so I'll, I'll give you, I, I have three points to cover. I'll, I'll do them in quick succession. Number one, I'm so glad that Chicago won in four and not in five. And the reason I say that is there's nothing less fun to watch than a team get so hyped to win a championship and the entire crowd to just be hanging their head, walking out of the, the tunnel. Yes. Um, it's so much more fun when the home oh, team it's, it's, is the so one winning I, the championship. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I wish, I wish we knew who was going to win every championship. So we just made sure they did it at home. Obviously that's not feasible, but, um, 
Lo- loved that. Loved watching the crowd be able to to stick around. I mean, I don't think anybody left for 20 minutes after the game was over. That it was, you know, it was a lot of fun. Um, point two, um, and perhaps the the most poignant moment for me was the game's over, and the first thing Candace does sprint down. Um, you know, go go over under the little tape barrier they're setting up there and hug family. Um, she mm. emoted very strongly there, and you could just see in her face how much that moment meant. Um, you brought it up, kind of her getting emotional, you know, with a few seconds left on the clock, and then as she's running down to to hug family and to to see her high school coach. Um, that that moment was was big. Um, and and very touching, I guess. Um, I I wasn't crying, but I was crying. Um. So the, there was that. And then the third one, and I just loved this, is everyone kind of got to hug their family. They all came back to the center. Um, they're all touching the trophy. And there were like two different times where they broke out in little dance routines. They all started chanting KFC. <laughs> like just the unity from this team. And that's something we actually talked about this on their social media. I felt like we didn't get a lot of personality out of that locker room. Until they made it to the playoffs, and all of a sudden their Instagrams were just so much fun, and they were coming up with little goofy dance routines, you know, the typical stuff that you do on Instagram and TikTok and all that. But um, it was just fun to see that that team, obviously they're having a good time, but you could tell that that team genuinely likes each other. And and that's a lot of fun to see, too, that, right. that you know, this this is a unit that that gelled in more ways than just on the court. And and that's always good to see, too. So those are the three big things that I saw coming out of that that I really enjoyed from the post game. What about you, Kyle? Yeah, no, that was that was a, a huge part of it was just just the overall feel. I obviously got, um, you know, uh, when when Candace uh, had that moment with her daughter, with Layla, that was that was a moment for me, uh, you know, with you know, just, just having kids of my own and just having, when you accomplish something and you get to know that your child was there to see you accomplish your goal and you get to, you know, not just be that, Hey, look, and you point at somebody else accomplishing something and say, you can do that too. But when you're the one doing it yourself and saying, I did it, mm-hmm. I know you can do it. Like that's a, that's a powerful moment as a parent. And so that one hit me. Um, obviously, uh, when <laughs> when copper won the finals mvp <laughs> and and dropped an f bomb on live tv that's a memorable moment oh yeah that uh <laughs> that was that that i everybody i i don't know if anybody's had a, a negative take about that on twitter but that was that was just emotion just overcome with emotion and and just gratitude for her journey that was a powerful, uh, powerful time that I think everybody just had to take a second to sit back and chuckle. Um, but I, I, I just was, was happy. I'm loving all the post game, uh, picks, all the locker room celebrations, the city of Chicago, uh, as we're recording this, you know, announcing, you know, these, these parades and, and everything that's going to be going on on the 19th. Um, probably as some of you are listening to this, there's a parade going on to celebrate Chicago, uh, bringing home their championship. The, vi- the virality of some of the Twitter responses, it, it's a great day for the, for the WNBA. Um, it's a great day for Chicago. Um, I just couldn't be happier. I just couldn't be happier. Yeah. I know that people in Phoenix are hurting and I'm hurting with you. I love, I love my Merc. All right. We, we consider ourselves members of, uh, of the X Factor as well. But, uh, so yeah, there's, there's pain there, but this was a great WNBA moment and a great WNBA team that 
you know, ran the gauntlet when the odds were stacked against them literally in almost every game. This is a team that played, uh, you know, that, that, that was a 500 team coming into the playoffs that looked really inconsistent. And that was our biggest take on them is they look at times like they could beat anybody. And at times it looks like anybody, including the Atlantas and the Indianas can, can whoop up on them. And so we just were like, they might win these single eliminations, but they're not getting through a series. I said on Mike, I would give them like a 1% chance in a series. And now they're champions. So (laughs) I, I'm, I've got a plate of crow ready for me to eat. Um, as, as we go forward, but Jason, any last thoughts on this championship run, anything that we've missed that you want to make sure we hit before we, we call it an episode? Uh, two things, uh, you, you brought up the, the parade. So, uh, this episode will come out the morning of the, the parade in Chicago. So if you're in Chicago and you're hearing this as it comes out, uh, cheese God in the chat is telling us, uh, it's 11 a.m. At Wintrust. That's where it's going to start. So if you're in Chicago and you're not pre-obligated with work or school or whatever else you got going on in life, uh, make sure you're there. Uh, call in sick. We call won't, in we sick. won't tell your boss. Yeah. <laughs> yes. just, just go. Don't, don't miss that. Uh, it, this is not the time to, to be responsible. Um, or it is the time to be responsible. Be where you're supposed to be. Be at the parade. Um, please, please don't <laughs> sue me for bad employment advice. Uh, <laughs> so so that i i want to throw that out there and if you're there if you if you go uh tag us in your pictures on twitter we we'd love to to retweet those and um and see what kind of fun yeah, you're having there do. so yeah um at WNBA nation pod uh, give us a tag in the picture we'll 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 push those out as we get them in um and then the other thing i just wanted to call out um obviously i'm going to be going through uh probably after my semester ends and i've, I've got a few more minutes in my day um and pulling me talking about Chicago winning back during the, the, uh, the New Year's resolution. I'm going to pull it from the preseason. I'm going to pull me saying <laughs> that they're going to win the series in four at the beginning of this. Uh, what I'm not going to do is go back to last season and hear and pull my rants about how Brittany Griner and Steph Dolson both were underperforming what they were capable of and how I didn't think that they should, uh, be representing their teams the way that they were. And I am choking on those words now. <laughs> Brittany Griner and Steph Dolson had amazing seasons. Uh, so that is my plate of crow to eat is in regards to the bigs of this series and they played phenomenally and I'm happy to eat that crow because it was so much fun to watch, but that's all I've got, Kyle. Absolutely. Now I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, Steve even mentioned this. We came into 2021 with, uh, you know, after witnessing Brittany Griner in 2020, which it's hard to, you know, count on anybody, yeah. uh, or, or judge anybody based on 2020, we were pretty low. We were oh, like, yeah. this is not the Griner. She's not been dominant. Hasn't been for a couple of years. This Brittany Griner in 2021. Um, I think that, uh, I believe it was Steve that said it. He said Griner might be his way too early preseason pick for 2021 MVP. Yeah. The way that she's been playing. So, so shouts to Griner. Uh, painful loss, obviously, but, but what a, what a fantastic season. Um, Jason, it's been a blast. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, everybody, uh, again, if you want to contact us, hit us up on Twitter, send us some DMS, um, with your takes. Let us know what you think about, uh, all things WNBA. Watch for some big things coming down the pipeline from the podcast. We've got some fun ideas that we'll probably be implementing here during the off season. Um, we'll be looking at exploring some options there that are going to be a lot of fun. Um, but so, so stay tuned for some of that. Don't 
Stop listening. The off-season is just as busy as during the season because we have so many fun episodes. We do New, New Year's uh, uh, New Year's resolutions. We do um, NCAA coverage. We do overseas coverage. We talk uh, WNBA lottery. We talk WNBA draft. We talk like all of it, all the off-season moves, free agency. Come here for all of that and all of our reactions. Um W history, uh, which we might be re releasing some Candace Parker, um, uh, W history. Cause there's a lot of you who weren't around when we were releasing those. So we might hit you up with, uh, with a little bit of that, um, since, you know, to celebrate her, her championship. So, um, stay tuned, stay subscribed, Jason. Definitely stick around. Lots of fun stuff. Uh, for those of you watching on Twitch right now, I don't know if you can tell I'm wearing my Connecticut whale, uh, sweatshirt. Uh, there is going, yeah. there is other things going on. Uh, Steve covers soccer. You can hear that periodically. Um, there will be more information about uh, professional women's hockey and stuff like that from the off season. So um, we're we're excited about that. But stick around; it's going to be fun. Absolutely. For WMB Nation, I'm Kyle Haywood. I'm Jason Snow, and we got you next time. <laughs>